Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. There are thousands of amazing self-help books out there, but what happens when you're struggling at the moment and need help now? Well, my new book, Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook, is your new go-to self-help book. I wrote it specifically for when you don't know how to overcome a challenge. Each chapter gives you a framework on how to tackle your situation. I help you focus on what already works for you. Your situation today may be different, but the emotions you're currently feeling, you felt them before, and you did something that helped you. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. This book is specifically written to help you overcome any obstacle you may face. Purchase your book, Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook on Amazon or at your favorite bookstore. Once again, purchase Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook on Amazon or at your favorite bookstore. My guest today is remarkable Jen Drummond. Jen has conquered the world's seven second highest summits and recently became a world record holder, but her journey goes far beyond mountaineering. In today's episode, we talk about her new book, Breakproof, The Seven Necessities for Becoming Resilient. Welcome to Lifeology. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. I am looking forward to this. You are in Utah right now. I'm in sunny Florida, so we're having different seasons at the moment. Yes, I have snow <laughs> falling right now, believe it or not. So there oh, you I go. Love that. I actually grew up in rural Canada. Uh, so for me, it's it's great to have the, the seasons. So here in sunny Florida, I forget that not everybody has in the summer. <laughs> but yeah. regardless, regardless of that, I want to find out for you. So you have done so many amazing things. I mean, I, I can't even imagine all the things you've done. I mean, congratulations on being a world record holder. We'll talk about that in a minute. But did you know as a young person that you wanted to be a mountaineer? No, like zero. I didn't start getting into mountaineering until I moved to Park City, Utah, because I'm in the mountains and I liked hiking and then just kind of kept taking it to the next level. Yeah. So pre-mountaineering, what was your, uh, what what type of person were you? So we we talk about resilience, but we're, for me, I, I think of a person who's a mountaineer, it's someone's very adventurous, spontaneous, can conquer anything. It's just always like I'm in the forefront of, of life. For you though, prior to that, you know, that's my version of mountaineering. Walk me through that for you. How the person you were before the person, the mountaineering person today? Yeah, no. So I definitely was always an athlete, right? Okay. Um, when I was younger, if I did um, sports, I didn't have to do chores. So that was very motivating. <laughs> so and nice. then I played uh, college soccer for a while out of college. I had kids, but got into triathlon for a little bit. Oh, wow. I moved out to Park City. Um I got into hiking and then someone took me to climb the Grand Teton in Jackson Hole. And then um, I got into that horrific car crash, which we can get into. And that kind of woke me up to, wow, I don't get to choose when I die, but I sure get to choose how I live. And it just was a line in the sand of, are there things I want to be doing that I'm waiting until my kids are older? because that's the excuse I'm hiding behind. Mm -hmm. And that allowed me to really evaluate that piece. And I started building a big bucket list of things I wanted to do, see, explore, taste, feel, all the stuff that doesn't happen if you're dead. Um, And mountaineering came up on that list pretty bold and big. Wow. So let's talk about that car accident. So obviously you're living life, things are going well, and all of a sudden on a certain day, your life changed. Walk me through that. 
Yeah. So I was, you know, I, I owned a business. I hired myself out of a job. I started having children. When they were little, they definitely needed me all the time. And then they all went to school. And I was kind of in this limbo stage of what do I do? Like, I'd like to get yeah. back to me, but what happens if they need me? And so I want to be available for them and all of that. And so I kind of convinced myself that I was in the season of motherhood. And once my mm. kids got to college, then I could get back to me. But this is just the season. Um, then I got into a horrific car accident on my way home from Heber, Utah. I encountered a semi, flipped oh, over gosh. three times forwards and rolled about eight times sideways. The police and everybody came. I went to the hospital. A few weeks later, I got a call from the police station. They said, hey, we've tried to rebuild this accident about 50 different times. And there's not one scenario where we can build that you survive, let alone walk away. Oh, my gosh. Pair that wow. with a girlfriend of mine that was running on a trail that you can push a stroller on. It's wet out. She slips, she hits her head and she never comes home. Oh, and gosh. so these events like happen really yeah. close together and it just doesn't make sense in my mind, right? Like how do I survive this horrific crash? She does something healthy and never gets to come home. And um, really the only thing that I could wrap my head around is we don't get to choose when we die, Yeah, but we sure. sure get to choose how we live. And life is a gift and our gift back is what we do with it. And so 2019 became this big year of like, what do I want my legacy to be? What happens mm. if this next decade's my last or the next year, or the next mm. month or the next week? What do I want to do? What do I want people to know me for? Yeah. And that really like opened the floodgates on opportunity and possibility. And on that list I was making I had climb a mountain again, right? And in 2020, I was turning 40. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to climb a mountain for my 40th birthday and yeah, launch this next crazy. decade of life. And so I asked some friends that were big into mountaineering, if you could climb one mountain in the whole world, what one would it be? And they said, oh, you know, a great mountain in Nepal is named Ama de Blom. It's the Paramount okay. Pictures logo. It means the oh, mother's okay. necklace. It's really pretty. Like, you should climb that one. I'm like, okay, perfect. I'll climb Ama de Blom. So I'm training for Ama de Blom and COVID strikes and nobody's going anywhere. And in fact, now I'm a homeschool teacher to seven oh, children <laughs> because school shut down, right? And one of the days I'm helping my son with his math homework. I'm like, listen, we do hard things. You've got this buddy, like giving him the pep talk. Yeah. He looks at me and he goes, if we do hard things, why are you climbing a mountain called I'm a dumb blonde instead of a real mountain like Mount Everest? I said, Ama de Blom, not Ama de Blom, but thank you. You know That's what? Finish your home. I know. So we like finished his homework. We looked at Everest. He went to bed. I still looked at Everest. And I'm like, why not? If Everest is the hardest mountain in the whole world, I'm going to show yeah. him that we can climb whatever that mountain is, physical or metaphorical. And so then I hired a coach. Coach sent me a book about becoming an uphill athlete. In the front, there was this little story about a lady who got a Guinness World Record. I was kind of feeling deflated at the time I was reading it because homeschooling is not the funnest for any of us. Yeah. And I called my coach. I'm like, I could have done that. Like, I could have gotten that. My kids learned how to read on Guinness World Record books. I'd be the coolest mom in the whole world. It's like, I'll think of something. They so called me. He's like, hey, Jen, I think you should be the first female to climb the seven second summit. And like wow. you, oh, that's not there, like, cause the, yeah, because there's so many things I want to talk about. Again, we want to jump to that part yeah. in a second. Well, first off, I mean that's that's remarkable. I, um, so many things there. I'm sure I, I know my viewers and listeners have so many questions. So let's go back to the car accident. So you're living yeah. your life. You're you're told that there's really no way that you could have survived this. 
your outlook on life was taking care of your kids as, as a healthy mother like you does. And there's part of you that realized it's a season of motherhood. So you weren't necessarily growing per se for you, if that makes sense, growing and developing. Yeah, so you right. have the car accident, you're still an amazing mother, but you have this aspect of, I, I wanted to live life. What changed for you beyond, I want to just do things on my bucket list. How did it, how did that, how did that, how'd you really ingrain that in your everyday life or integrate that? Um, yeah. So the accident, I think made me realize like I can do life in parallel with my kids. Okay, and it yeah. made me realize like my kids are watching how I'm doing this thing. Yeah. And if they're watching me put my life on hold, that's demonstrating to them that when they become a parent, they need to put their life on hold. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want them to do that. Like I, yeah. I, all of a sudden I realized like, no, we're each here with a special mission and a special thing to carry out. Not one life is more important than another. And yeah. so I need to show them that I can be a mom and do myself and own a business and have all these roles instead of being either or. Yeah. And psychology, I have what's called a dialectic. It's a fancy word that basically means two opposing things can exist at the same time. We usually use it for emotions. So for example, if you go to a funeral and you're sad, you're heartbroken, but yet you think of a funny memory and you're happy. Both are true. You're sad and you're happy. Both are true. So same type of concept when it comes to your, your life, my life. I can be multiple things. All are true and all are valid, even though they may not always seem like they coincide. So fancy word, like I said, dialectic, if people want to look that up, it's really helpful because we're much more complex than just one or the other. Now, yeah. sometimes when people have the mindset of, I don't know if today's, you know, when I'm going to die, sometimes we have fear that comes along with that. How did you live your life with excitement and removing that fear of today could be my last? Yeah, I mean, because I think, I thought before, like, well, what would people think? What does mm. this look like to others? How am I yeah. being perceived? And all that kind of stuff. Once I got into the accident, I'm like, I could care less what any of you people here think. <laughs> I'm more worried about there's this entire planet filled yeah. with things for us to do, see, experience. Like, I want to see the pyramids. I want to know what yeah. it feels like to put my feet in the ocean in Florida. I want to know what it feels like to see the world from the highest point. Right. Like I just became so curious and I was like, you know, I'm here to like, like, we're only here for a short period of time. Like, let's Mm -hmm. do this thing. Who cares if you make it to the top or not? At least you got to feel it and try it and taste it. I just interviewed someone who uh, went to all the countries in the world and I couldn't even imagine that. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, so just like, you know, you were just as inspired as well of doing all these additional things. How did you, I mean, I know what you said about your coach, but how did you, prioritize this because wanting to do so many things, we have a bucket list, but how do you prioritize? I want to focus on this particular thing right now. Cause I think many people can have ADD when it comes to that type of <laughs> those yeah. too many things. So how do you prioritize it? So I started looking at things that would be easier to do in my forties than my eighties. Okay. So museums Smart. and artwork, like that's eighties and nineties. Like I can wear, Smart. go in a wheelchair if I had to be to go see those things, but I'm not climbing Everest when I'm 80. Right. Mm-hmm. So anything that required a lot of travel, a lot of physical fitness or things like that, those got prioritized on my list because I'm at the age that I can do those easier. And then anything that was a little bit less aggressive could go later on the list. And here's the truth. The list evolves all the time. Like yeah. you go to Antarctica to climb a mountain and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I didn't know all this stuff was down here. Now I want to add this, this <laughs> and this onto my list. Right. <laughs> and, and then you come home and you're like, OK, well. The reality is, is like, it's a lot of work to get to Antarctica. So maybe that isn't as big of a priority, but now if I ever find myself over there again, here's things I want to do when I'm there. Yeah. 
you know, it's, it's so, it's just common sense, but it, it makes a lot of sense. I didn't actually think of it in that way. <laughs> Let's transition into your book. <laughs> I mean, so many yeah. those are wonderful takeaways. Is this a memoir? It's your book, Break Proof, The Seven Necessities for Becoming Resilient. Is this yeah. a memoir? What kind of book is this? Um, it's a self-help book, I'd say, more than a memoir, okay. but I do take you through each mountain that I climb. So what mm -hmm. I did is, is collecting stories, and then I started seeing a theme that ran through them, and I wrote the book to my younger self my pre-car oh, accident self. I said, okay, listen, here's an example in the mountains. And it's really easy to demonstrate when you're in a life or death situation, mm -hmm. right? You're like, it's very black and white. And you're like, oh, okay. So then I'll take a lesson. For example, one of them is big mountains take big teams. So if you're going to mm -hmm. have a big goal or a big pursuit or want to build a big company, it's going to take a big team for that to happen. Mm -hmm. And so I'll take you on an expedition where we didn't have a big team and you can see all the things that went wrong. And mm -hmm. then when you realize that when you're building resilience, if you're starting to get tired, then you need to look around and say, man, maybe I'm taking on too much. Do I need a bigger team to make this oh. thing happen? So then I have Smart. more energy to be able to continue and bring it forward to, to the summit. So I take you on each one of these mountains through the expedition. I highlight a lesson that I've learned that's helped build my resilience so you can apply it to your mm -hmm. own life and bring forth what you're here to do. I really like that that's, that that's analogous or another and the analogies you use are really relevant you know in psychology we also have um, a technique that we typically use for people who've experienced a lot of trauma a lot of pain and so just like you wrote to your younger self we do that as well so what that would look like for people who have experienced some some trauma is if you write to yourself the younger version and as you're talking to your younger version you say i see what happened i see how the heartache you experienced i was there and so this is what i would do now should i be there to protect you and so our older self protects our younger self as we write to ourselves, and it kind of heals us through that emotional pain so i really like how you do that in a more practical way i think it's incredibly helpful as well now the the books themselves the book itself rather when when i read it the lessons i learn people will be able to find it's applicable in their everyday life as well yes yeah, yeah. it's kind of interesting how much the metaphor of climbing a mountain relates yeah. to the metaphor of doing life right so yeah. when i went to climb mount everest i had this story where i was like i can't climb everest i'm gone for three weeks my kids mm -hmm. are going to be like left and feel abandoned i'm never they're gonna be in therapy for life and all these things and you know you tell all these stories well there's also another side to that story that's not the only truth like you were talking earlier so i had my parents come in to help and then i went to the kids school and i said hey listen i'm gonna be gone the teacher came back and she's like why don't you come in and teach a what's your everest campaign to the kids so i went into the wow. school i taught them about setting a goal like whatever their everest goal was mm -hmm. and then in the front of the school we had this big mountain made out of cardboard, you know, construction paper. And then they had a little mm -hmm. hiker and I had a tracking device so they could track oh, really? me oh, wow. climbing Everest. And then I could call from base camp to check in and tell them like what I'm eating and where I'm pooping, you know, things that kids care wow, about. That's amazing. Yeah. And I came back, like when I summited, the whole school summited, like everybody in town knew. And then my kids felt so seen and loved and appreciated. Mm -hmm. And it was such a great opportunity for them to feel supported by somebody yeah. outside of their mom. It was actually yeah. a really big win for all of us. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. In hearing this, I, I know, well, I don't know, I haven't obviously climbed Mount Everest, but when we have a big goal and we're getting ready for that goal or we're starting that goal, we have two sides. We have the front facing that the world sees, yes, I can do this. And then the internal self, like, oh my God, I don't know if I can do this. How did you work or how did you merge those two because I can only imagine how much fear and how much insecurity at times you probably felt when you had these huge goals. 
Yeah. Um, so I have a fear of heights, <laughs> which is not convenient <laughs> oh when you climb mountains. All right. <laughs> so I have to do exposure therapy to try to get yeah. it under control. Uh-huh. But when I was climbing the ladders and you see these huge crevasses underneath you that you're like, oh, my uh-huh. goodness. Like I could focus on that for sure. Or I could focus on something that would empower me to get to the other mm-hmm. side. And you like everybody would tease because they're like, Jen, you always talk to yourself. I'm like, I do. Because if I'm talking to myself and say, safe step, safe step, safe step, safe step, then a negative thought doesn't have space to jump in. Right. I'm like almost blocking any negative thought from happening. And I'm focusing on the one thing that I can do that safely gets me to the other side. And you have success so- with that. You keep that on speed dial and you use it again in all different areas of your life. Brilliantly said. So I, when, what another thing we teach in psychology is if you're having looping thoughts or anxious thoughts, you just can't stop you. It's important to ground yourself. So you ground yourself, meaning you use your five senses. So when we get lost in our head, we can think all, create a whole world in our head, but we ground ourselves to the reality of what's happening. It moves us outside of our thoughts. So what you use was your sense of hearing. So as you would speak to yourself, you heard it. So your looping thoughts or this fear, the scary thoughts had to slow down because we literally have to listen to the things that are around us. And so that's one thing people can do when they are experiencing a lot of anxiety is you ground yourself to your presence by looking around, using your five senses, and it pulls you out of that anxiety, pulls you out of those anxious thoughts, and allows you to focus on what you did. So you didn't even know that that was a psychological concept, but you did it brilliantly, well said. So yeah, that's something I really recommend for people. If you're feeling overwhelmed, use your five senses, ground yourself, listen to your self-talk, and your self-talk will walk you through that as well. So you're saying safe steps, which obviously grounded you. So in doing that, though, were there other other people in your team, maybe naysayers that didn't realize they were naysayers, but maybe weren't the most helpful for you at the time? Um, I found that the best thing to do in a team is, I mean, in these environments, you have to ask for help and you have to be honest with where you're at and what you need. Because if you're not being honest with where you're at and what you need, then you're putting your whole team at risk. Right. So if you're mm. feeling cold, you need to stop the whole team to get warm. If you're feeling hungry, you need to eat because otherwise, if you wait, I mean, these are deadly situations. You don't have yeah. the, you know, it's very black and white in a lot of these environments. And I have found that if I need something in the team that's not being provided, that means I'm supposed to be that thing. So uh-huh. if I feel like I need to be encouragement, okay, well, then I'm going to start encouraging everybody else and that's going to encourage me. If I feel, like I need to be distracted. Okay, I'm going to start talking about something to distract us and start doing those things so that we all can move forward up the mountain. So that's creating your own agency, creating, you are creating the solution for yourself. And so by proxy, in other words, by, um, as you're doing it, other people benefit from that as well, which I think is really important because often many people wait for others to fill that need or fill that space and not realizing that they have the autonomy, their ability to self-manage their own life as well. So I, I want to say a great, great lesson there as well. Were there any of the goals that you set that for whatever reason weren't accomplished? I mean, idealistically, I would have climbed every mountain the first time, right? But that didn't happen because mother nature is bigger than me and we need to bow down to her. And so two of the mountains took two times to summit. Mm. And when you decide to turn around because success is coming home alive, not somebody in a mountain, mm-hmm. um, it can be a little frustrating, right? But I talk about it in the book a little bit about how we acclimatize. I think a lot of times mm-hmm. when I first was climbing Everest, I didn't know there was acclimatization. I literally thought you went from base camp and it just took a long mm-hmm. time to get to the top. Mm-hmm. Actually, what happens is you climb Everest a couple of times because you go up to a point of failure. And then that point uh-huh. of failure means, okay, my body can't go anymore. There's not enough oxygen. You go back down to base camp. But that stress that you had on the mountain 
causes your body to physiologically change to produce more red blood cells so that when you go back up the mountain, you're able to go up higher. You do that again until your body's ready to go all the way up to the top. And I think that's a very important lesson for us in our lives. It is not always this straight shot from point A to point B. Sometimes you need to acclimatize and those perceived failures really aren't failures. It's a chance to go back to base camp and say, okay, what's working? What's not working? How do we Mm -hmm. continue up? What makes the most sense? Is this the mountain I even want to climb? Like you Mm -hmm. might not know until you get there. And it's like, okay, well, guess what? I didn't want to do this thing anymore. And so now I'm going to take my energy and pivot another direction. But now I know versus always wondering. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think so many times when we get, we have such a myopic, in other words, too focused uh, perception of what success looks like. We don't realize that there's success everywhere. Uh, My viewers and listeners hear me talk about this all the time. Every life event is like a jigsaw puzzle piece. When we experience one jigsaw puzzle piece, a situation in life, we're like, where would this even go? This doesn't make sense. Where would this fit in in my life? But perspective is allows you to see the next puzzle piece. So if you wait a little bit longer, those puzzle pieces come together. And as we look back in our life, we see, ah, now it makes sense. That piece that made no sense to me at all. Now I see how it fits into my life. And so when we have that perspective of, if we get too lost in the moment, we don't understand it, but wait just a little bit longer. That perspective always gives you the insight of what links to something else. Because as I said, and you said, success is everywhere. It just depends on what you look at. Mm -hmm. Definitely. What's next for you? So you've done set the seven second, seven second highest summits. That's really hard for me to say. What's next for you? I'm not doing it. I'm not committing to anything for a year. Um, wow. I'm an easy start. I'm a hard stop. I feel like mm-hmm. society has always trained us to think what's next, what's next, what's next instead of what mm-hmm. is. And so ah. I really just want to do a breath of what yeah. is and appreciate this thing and be very intentional about what I pick next and not just fall into it. Yeah. Which, yeah. Really well said. You know, it's I, I've learned a lot from you as well, just hearing you. It's um, I like the concept of living in the moment. I like how you ground yourself in the moment. And it sounds like for all the lessons you've learned, and I don't know how you were pre pre um, car accident, but it sounds like you really take every moment and are intentional about it. I think many times in life we forget about that and we do think the next moment. And so that's why anxiety happens. If we're anxious, we're thinking too far out in the future. So bring your mind's eye closer back to the present. You'll find that you're not anxious anymore. I've had such yeah. an amazing time talking to you. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to reading this book as well. If my viewers and listeners want to find out more information about you and to purchase this book and to follow you on all social media, where will they find this information online? Oh, the best place to go is my website. So www.jendrummond.com. of access to all the things and please reach out. I look forward to connecting. That's awesome. Yes. All my viewers and listeners also know that if you can't find this information any other place, simply go to the show notes at jamesmillerlifeology.com. I'll link you with Jen. Thank you once again, Jen. Thank you. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.